Shorty. Was that Marcus Diablo? Same. He was the last human champion, but that was what, 50 years ago? All those guys were contenders. That was when the game meant something. <laughs> now it means nothing. Oh. I wish I could have been a part of it. What makes you such an expert, Rook? Are you kidding? I've seen every single one of Marcus's fights on retransmission. He was still a sport when he fought. Mm. There's a lot of difference between looking and fighting, rookie. No, 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 wait a second. There's something you don't know about me, Shorty. I am a fighter. Uh. I fought on the human circuit. I was ranked. I won a lot of fights. Mm. I had this dream. One day, I could come up here and fight in the arena. There's just no room for real fighters up here anymore. At least not for humans, that's for sure. Something funny, laughing boy. This week, WTF has no bounds. We go over 2,000 years into the future. 2,000! To see a big horn. This is the Pool Scene Podcast. It's a different movie, Kevin. That's a completely different movie. A future dong. It's time! Introducing! Fighting out of the red corner, it's Jim. Hey now! I'm Kevin. We are covering 1989's Arena, not to be confused with the Samuel L. Jackson early 2000s movie Arena. There's like five or six movies with this name. Yeah, so this is 1989's Arena, which is a Charles Band produced film, which Charles Band you probably most famously know from like the full moon pictures yeah puppet master movies never um, seen it a bunch of those yeah. weird puppet no of him though yeah so charles band produced this one which says a lot for those familiar as to the type of movie it is it was directed by peter manugian great name manugian the noogs seemingly made exclusively weird movies such as eliminators demonic toys charles band seed people devil dolls bunker of blood Chapter two, Deadly Dolls, Deepest Cuts. That's one title. Oh, that's one title? Jesus. Bunker of Blood, Chapter two, Deadly Dolls, Deepest Cuts. And Bunker of Blood, Chapter five, Psycho, (laughs) Sideshow, Demon Freaks. That's the new Mission Impossible movie. Yeah, basically. The one that really sticks out to me is Sci-Fi Slaughter, because it says he was uncredited as a director. I don't know that I've ever seen an uncredited director. It's just going to say directed by... Yeah. Blank. Blank. They're just not even going to have a card. Weird. This movie just, it just made itself. He met his quota for the year. Uh, did he ask for his name to not be attached? Was he doing them a favor and he was like... Hey, I'll direct it without pay under the table, under the table. And then, so I don't know how it happened. I kind of want to cover sci-fi slaughter because are they slaughtering sci-fi or like, is it just a sci-fi? How great would it be if Sergeant Slaughter was in sci-fi slaughter? And the dude on the poster kind of looks like horn. It probably is horn. It probably is the same suit. (laughs) Just the very unintimidating horn. Yes. Horn is champion. Champion. I am horn. I am champion. The storyline on IMDb is listed as, so this is for, I'm sorry, sci-fi slaughter. I'm still talking about that. Yeah, why not? The storyline on IMDb is listed as calling all aliens from angel city to the desert, razor sharp claws, killer parasites, deadly websites, and world destruction prevail. This a Mellencamp song, but have no fear. Bradbury, Jack death, Zach stone, and Paul Dean. We'll save the day. Paula Dean. 
They are out of this world. Paula Deed and Butter. That is so fucking long-winded. And Paul Death is D-E-T-H. Paul Correct. Death. You don't want to get him confused with oh, the I'm inevitable. Sorry, Jack Death. Paul Jack Death or Jack Paul Death? Paul Jack Death. <laughs> I love PJ Death. Jack Death. Let's pivot back to Arena. I unabashedly loved this movie when I was young. So great. I've mentioned on here before, my dad liked sci-fi, so like calling this sci-fi is a stretch, but I can definitely remember watching this with my dad, and I liked this movie because I was like, I really liked fighting movies yeah. in general, and this was like sci-fi and fighting. This is where the UFC got their idea from right here. Exactly. And I also feel like in a lot of ways, so the Hugh Jackman movie, Real Steel, have you seen it? I know of it. I've seen like snippets. It's basically a knockoff of this movie. Yeah. It's like there's fight fixing. Except in, oh, it's not Max. That's Pacific no, Rim. No, it's, yeah. So. I almost said Pacific Blue, the Rick Rossovich bike cop thing. <laughs> I remember Pacific Blue. Arena is considered to be a, now you'll like this. Arena is considered to be a loose remake of Star Trek, the Gamesters of Triskelion. Triskelion. I don't know what that is. Okay. Yeah. I totally get that. But this is seen as a loose remake of that. There's not a lot of production info floating out there. No, not at all. Other than the movie was completed in 1988, but not officially released until 1991. And they reused a set from the movie Robot Jocks, which yes. is a similar movie released in 1989. Great movie on Tubi too. Directed by the great Stuart Gordon. So Jim, I couldn't find much about the making of. Tell us what you could find about box office budget along with news and number ones at time of release. From WUAB Channel 43, where the news comes first. This is the 10 o'clock news. So Arena was released March 28th, 1989. Should have been. Like Kevin said, movie was finished in 88, not released until 1991. Apparently not to movie theaters because there's no budget. There's no box office. Straight to VHS or how I first saw this was on HBO. I think there was a lot of movies back then that were just like straight to somebody Campbell. fronted the money. They made the movie and they just spent a while shopping it to somebody who would distribute. Well, the cool thing, too, is even with the opening arena, with me being like a big Star Trek fan, also a Babylon 5 fan, there's a lot of crossover here between Star Trek, like Deep Space nine Babylon five. And I will tell you why in a little bit. This movie was rated 34% rotten tomatoes way too low. I think this is way too low of a number. Yeah. It should be I, at least 50. I'd say 50, 54. On to news. Kevin Madonna's like a prayer premieres on worldwide TV during a Pepsi commercial. Do you think Madonna would have ever thought of drinking pilk though? Yeah. Do you think she was, she looks like pilk now. I think she's probably consumed a lot of things worse than pilk. I would say so. Madonna. I don't, she, she's going on tour again. I think she is going on tour. She just announced her tour. She does look like, All she, the, uh, yeah, she's, she, she looks like we talked. She last, looks alien. We talked about the prince and the artist formerly known as Prince. They shouldn't even bill her as Madonna. That's not the same person. No, she is Horn, and Horn is champion. <laughs> I am Horn. I am champion. So Exxon, Kevin, March of 1989, had a, I would say a bad, bad month. The Exxon Houston runs aground in Hawaii, spilling 117,000 gallons of oil. And then two weeks later, as you all know, the tanker Valdez spills 10.8 million gallons of crude oil in Prince William Sound in Alaska. Bad month for Exxon and really sank the company for a very, very, very long time. One guy who 
I don't know if you saw Kevin behind the scenes. He was the other commentator for the arena, George Michael. What's up, George? Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael. Welcome to the Sports Machine. Now, 1989, you associate 1989 with Pete Rose. And that's right, because baseball announces he's officially under investigation for betting on baseball. Okay, he bet on a game. He admitted he's wrong. Fucking guy should be in the Hall of Fame right now. There are people that have murdered people. They're in the Hall of Fame. Done far worse shit than what Pete Rose ever did. Well, Bernie Kosar. Exactly. Just got fired by the Browns. Didn't get to finish the season because he made a essentially a ceremonial bet uh, where he bet on the Browns. Um, as one of the first bets placed so like in Ohio. $19,000. I think it was $19,000. Yeah. And then they said, you violated NFL rules. <sighs> There's absolutely zero tolerance. So it's like, you're fine to take the money from these betting agencies and sports books, but God forbid you actually, like the our employees actually use it. It's ridiculous. And also around this time, the first Soviet hockey players are permitted to play in the NHL with communism starting to fall apart over in Eastern Europe. Kevin, new segment on the show this week. Let's throw it over to John Tesh, Lisa Gibbons, and Mary Hart for some entertainment tonight. Hi, everybody. I'm John Tesh. And I'm Mary Hart. Kevin, as you know, this time, the Academy Awards in 1989 were going on. The Best Picture was won by Rain Man. Best Director, Barry Levinson for Rain Man. Dustin Hoffman won for Rain Man, of course. I mean, fucking amazing as good old Ray Babbitt. Jodie Foster won for Best Actress for The Accused. Kevin Klein won for A Fish Called Wanda. And Gina Davis won for Best Supporting Actress for The Accidental Tourist. So big stuff here. Dustin Hoffman beat out Gene Hackman in Mississippi Burning. Tom Hanks and big we covered edward james almost and max von Sydow. so we had a lot of good stuff here i mean yeah great great year however polar opposite the ninth golden raspberry awards were held with cocktail taking worst picture oh, over oh man we covered cocktail they won over caddyshack 2 covered it hot to trot bobcat goldweight should cover it fucking horse mac and me and rambo 3 wow worst actor speaking of sylvester stallone for rambo 3 beat tom cruise bobcat goldweight jackie mason burt reynolds and rent a cop and switching channels so he was up for two movies alone worst actress liza minnelli for arthur two on the rocks oh. and rent a cop arthur two on the rocks did not have the worst song from a movie though no it did not whatsoever and then the worst supporting actor was also god caddyshack two right but dan Aykroyd. yeah then billy barty richard crenna harvey Keitel, and christopher reeve and switching channels is getting just annihilated and then finally worst supporting actress christy mcnichol two moon junction which i know is kevin's favorite movie yeah i know two moon junction <laughs> he knows two moon <laughs> hi worst director blake edwards for sunset and Stuart raffle for mac and me so a tie worst screenplay cocktail worst new star ronald mcdonald as himself in Mac and Me. Really? He's in Mac I didn't and realize me? he was in Mac and Me. It's not like it's Mick and Me, Mac and Me. And then worst original song, Jack Fresh from Caddyshack 2, written and performed by Full Force. I don't 
remember that. I don't remember that song because all I can think of is the Kenny Loggins song from Caddyshack. I'm pretty, I, I tell you what, I bet Full Force is pretty sweet though. Oh my god, 80s band called Full Force. Yeah, it was. Oh god, who else? It wasn't with Lisa. Was it Lisa Lisa and Call Cham? They teamed up with a couple times. The number one movie in America is a movie we are going to future cover here with Mag Ch Fletch Lives, yeah, which is a great sequel. And the number one song, The Living Years by Mike Ooh. and the Mechanics. Good song. And that's all that was going on in March. 1989. Let's fight into the plot. I didn't have anything better this week. That's fine. I mean, that's what they do. Arena takes place in 4038. I love that they just landed on that number. Okay, it could have been worse. They could have said in 20XX. Well, right. But this could have been like 200 years in the future. Mm. But no. 4038. The year 4038. For a movie basically about alien MMA, I'm about to throw you a rather convoluted plot. So to get to that point, you're going to have to bear with me. Steve Armstrong is the equivalent of a fast food cook at a space station somewhere perfect, unknown in the galaxy. He sucks at it. He's fucking up all the orders. An alien customer named Vang gets pissed. Steve ends up fighting Vang. He kicks Vang's ass. <laughs> I come from, we teach our kids manners. Last time I saw a face like that, it had a hook in it. <laughs> Him and his co-worker Shorty are fired. Who has four arms. He has four arms. He's a nebulon. Yeah. They and they say it like a slang. Yeah. Come here, you nebulite. Yeah, they nebulite. Say it mul- that's multiple it. times. Yeah. Pretty straightforward so far. He gets fired from his fast food job with his friend Shorty. It's revealed that Vang is an arena fighter. Vang's manager is a woman named Quinn, who inherited a stable of fighters from her father. Quinn is impressed that a human could beat an alien. You're the guy who fed Vang a window. Who in the hell is Vang? He must be the tuna head from the stand. Yeah, well, I was kind of counting on him. For what? Being stupid? (laughs) He's one of my fighters. As a matter of fact, he was one of my best fighters. You know, I heard about you, but I find it very difficult to believe. I mean, an earthling who can fight. You ever thought about the arena, Steve? Humans have not fought in the arena for over 50 years. Oh, so now you want to use a realistic (laughs) amount of years. No shit, yeah, 50. Steve tells Quinn that humans don't have a place in arena and he plans to return to Earth, which surprisingly still exists in 4038. Still good, right? Thank God. Steve doesn't have the money for a ticket to get back to Earth. His coworker and I guess friend, Shorty, plans to win the money gambling in an illegal underground casino. He's insistent upon. Yes. While there, the game is raided by, I don't know, the space government or whatever, and Shorty manages to pocket a bunch of space bucks. Not to be confused with life bucks. (laughs) 
However, Shorty is caught by crime boss and Arena's top manager, Rogor, but more specifically by Rogor's enforcer, Weasel. The most least threatening enforcer in movie history. Yes. Gentlemen, let me make my position perfectly clear. I want my money back. 18,000 Kruger. They hold Shorty for ransom, and Steve promises to get the money. He agrees to sign a contract with Quinn and uses the money to have Shorty freed from captivity within an hour. 18,000 Krugers. And Rogor's got a boner for Steve, because he's like... You think? He's like, you're going to work for me. I love you. Yeah. I want to kiss your mouth. Let me touch a chest. You look like you're fucking hot. Uh, <laughs> you look like you're fucking hot. You're standing right in front of me. <laughs> That's what he says. No, he doesn't, but he does in Steve's first match, he shocks the galaxy by winning a fight against an alien named Sloth. Ladies and gentlemen, never in my long and brilliant career have I seen such an astonishing debut, such a display of guts, poise, and talent. Not only a rookie, but an Earthman. Now, could this be the contender that the humanoid races have awaited all these years? How do I look? <laughs> You ought to see the other guy. He's 24-3 with 12 kills. Oh, I didn't even catch that. You had to freeze it. Um, seeing the dollar signs, Rogor tries to sign Steve again. You look like you're hot. But he he's already being managed by Quinn. Steve keeps winning fights, soon becomes the number one contender for the championship. I trust you, agree. I've got a lot of pressure on me. Yes, I understand. And there's a lot of Kruger at stake. I've got to give the people what they want. You do understand. Yes, Commissioner. So you'll set the date then? If you think he's ready, sir. And frankly, we don't have a choice. And it'll be a good match. Yes, it's going to be a great fight. All right, then. Held by an alien cyborg named Horn, who Horn is champion. Yes, he, he makes that evident. <laughs> I am Horn. I am champion. All this money in the arena, they don't have a trophy or a championship belt. Always drove me nuts. Uh, but so the dude who uh, won the title 50 years ago. Best name in world history. Marcus Diablo. Marcus Diablo. So he wears a ring that he tries to give to Steve at one point as like a. like. We're proud of you, Steve. And Steve's like, I've had one fucking yeah, fight, yeah. man. First of all, thank you. But I can't accept this. I didn't do anything to deserve it. One fight? You fought 50 fights for this. You were the greatest. You gave us hope again, boy. And you got a lot of fights coming up. So knock them dead. So I don't know if you get a ring, like a wedding ring for yeah. winning. It's, I have no idea. Rogor is afraid his status will be jeopardized if Steve wins the championship. So he sends his companion Jade to seduce and poison Steve mm. the night of the title fight. Some doctors, or I think it's just his fight crew or whatever, are able to give Steve some sort of antidote. And much to Rogor and Jade's surprise, Steve shows up ready to fight. Let's kinda. do this. Arena has this fight handicap technology to ensure <laughs> fair fights. So dumb. Yeah, it's very dumb. In order to balance strength between species, the arena uses the Seiko 3000 handicapping system. The handicappers decrease a fighter's strength, keeping the match competitive, with the fighters evenly classed. Horton is fighting at a disadvantage rating of 0.25 cal. 
Rogor sends Weasel to hack this technology, which severely impairs Steve in the second round. Shorty suspects something is off, and he fights Weasel in the computer room. Steve regains his abilities and defeats Horn, becoming the first human champion in over 50 years. Let's talk about the characters. Paul Satterfield as Steve Armstrong. He's a Dirk Nowitzki looking ass. He also got mistaken all the time for Christopher Reeve. All the time. And when I first saw this movie, I'm like, he looks like a blonde Christopher Reeve. And the lore is that during a Press and Public 2005 issue of Soaps and Death magazine, as soon as he would show up anywhere, he would get mobbed by the press and everybody thinking I was Christopher Reeve because he was supposed to be there. So throughout his career when he was younger, he was always mistaken taken for him. And after Superman 4 took a dump, if they ever thought of bringing back Superman yeah. before Nicolas Cage, why not use this kid? Yeah. Yeah, they could have just plugged him in. He's fine. He's, oh, he's, he's good at this, you know? I, I I mean, for what it, he did the best with. He, what know, he had. Yes, exactly. The material. Hamilton Camp as Shorty. Loved him in Meatballs Part 2. He's a family man from Nebulos. He's kind of like the inside man. He's got all these contacts. He's got all these contacts, all these arms. He's like Goro. Claudia Christian as oh, Quinn. So hot. The fight manager. Mark Alimo. Alimo as Rogor. He's a silver motherfucker. He's got this weird flat hair. Yeah. It's like a receding, like flat, weird haircut. Yeah. And he's silver. Kinda. Which is weird. He looks like he's like just a white dude that they like. They don't really allude to an alien background. He's just. No fucking silver. They tried to put like a light coat of silver paint over his face. Yeah. But he still just kind of looks like a white dude who sparkles sometimes. Sherry Shattuck as Jade. She is the world's worst nightclub singer. Oh, speak for yourself, Kevin. I thought she did tremendous. She's Rogor's woman. And she paints herself silver at the final fight. She does. She's there like his companion. It's like their evil color. Armin Shimmeron as Weasel. And then it's it's a bunch of people who don't have Wikipedia. So nope. they're like, uh, like Michael Deke plays Horn. Horn, the champion who I don't think he says it quite enough. I am Horn. I am champion. Which he's so covered up. Nobody would be like, wait a minute. Were you Horn? Yeah. William Butler as Skull. I appreciate the job working with Mr. Regor. Which, oh my God, Skull is his own thing. <laughs> oh, I would say so. Yeah. Which I remember when I first saw it, I was like, is this a girl in makeup? Because that's what I thought yeah. it was at first. He's saying something like when he's downloading the fight handicapper into his brain. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, he's like, he's saying something like Skull is loaded. Or it's like, it's like <laughs> saying something crazy. Hornish champion Skull is loaded. Yeah. That should have been the name of this movie. Ken Clark is Marcus Diablo. All right, Jim, which uh, actor actress gives a passable performance? Does any non-lead character steal scenes? Okay, before. Before I tell you my pick, there's a lot of cross connection when it came to this movie. So, for instance, Armin Shimmerman, Mark Alimo, Rogor, and Weasel both starred in Star Trek yeah. Deep Space Nine as Gal Dukat and Quark. The, oh, Quark. Okay. Quark, yeah. Quark. The Frangi who owns Quark's bar. Yeah. And then the characters of Jade and Skull were both in Freddy's Nightmare. Yes. So there's a lot of fucking work. Claudia Christian starred in Babylon 5. So there was a lot of sci-fi crossover, which awesome. Yeah. So my pick for my favorite is Quinn. Quinn, how can someone who looks as good as you do be so tough? How did you get started in a fight game anyway? 
My dad used to run a stable full of fighters. Really? When? A long time ago. He handled quite a few human contenders. As a matter of fact, Marcus was his last champ. He loved the arena. And then Rogar came along and turned the sport into a business. She's badass, first off. Full disclosure, always had a crush on Claudia Christian. Love her. But she's straight up how it is. She doesn't fuck around like, Steve, I like you. You should be one of my fighters. She's the underdog, which we need to talk about her choices of fighters because yeah. that dude called Spinner the robot thing. Spinner sucks. I know she they didn't say, get a choice, though. I know, she inherited her. I know they say he's past his prime, but what the fuck could his prime ever been? No. He can't move. No. It's a horrible fighter. But I love the fact that Quinn is a badass she straight up and tells him how it's gonna be and you're gonna love me forever oh 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 and she doesn't deal with rogor's bullshit she sees through jade's garbage she's an all-around badass i will say this is for is as crazy as this movie and a lot of people watching probably don't have the same feelings about this one watch it on tubi everybody in this movie is good they're fine you know what i mean really like, good no one is bad everybody gives a good performance it's like not shit nobody's acting. like the only people i would say arguably that that aren't great are like skull quinn i love skull i think skull's like really yeah skull's oh, wow. awesome the only ones are quinn's like bodyguard dudes i have issues with both of yeah, them. yeah they're kind of like they're but they're not they're not heels no no it's weird all right let's let's move who's into, yours quinn too i say everybody oh whole smash I, I said whole cast there's not somebody that's like god they're terrible you yeah. know what i mean like everybody's good everybody that, that commissioner was a real for this lazy movie piece of like shit. so the director manugian he must have been like he got him fired up you know he yeah. like did his job because like nobody and it led to i mean they all you worked, know what's so. really good though because you always hear there's a disconnect between getting tv actors to do movies everybody on this movie cast were all TV actors yeah. and he did such a tremendous job. Yep. Jim, why don't you go ahead uh, with first best scene and let's find out what made a splash. What I loved, speaking of range of acting, when Steve meets Rogor and he's completely obliterated drunk. Oh yeah. Do you know who I am? No, why don't you? <laughs> he's only kidding, Mr. Rogor. He's drunk. Still puts me in better shape than anyone here. Oh. That's enough out of you. He's just fucking, he can't focus. Rogor wants to know where his money is. And he's just fucking making fun of Weasel. He's making fun of Rogor. Rogor's just taking it. And it's clear that Rogor definitely <laughs> has a hard on for Steve Armstrong. Yeah. It, but it, he's it, just so good at it. But his it gets job. worse when Rogor. So Rogor has this like suite that floats out above the arena. And like none of the other managers do. Which ain't great. Yeah, no. Rogor just has like this loge box. But like when he finds out that Steve's a fighter, he's like, uh, he's a fighter oh he's a fighter i'll kind of piggyback on that and this is a long one because i'm just like smashing four scenes into one yeah because they're all concurrent it was hard to find individual scenes in this movie to pick from so we start the underground casino raid it's so stupid but it's so hilarious The commissioner shows up and everyone has these like what I call them like lipstick laser guns. Yeah, they're like yeah. these tiny little like it's horrible. They're like a flashlight you'd put in your purse. They're like these skinny little laser this guns. This has 300 lumens. Meh. Yeah. And then no one shoots anyone despite like a ton of people being packed into these little close quarters. No one can hit anyone. So Shorty steals the money from what appears to be like a vault or like a back room. But then they're followed by Weasel who sees them do it afterwards. So they're supposed to 
rendezvous at a place called Guzzle Bar. Yeah. So they go to Guzzle Bar. It's a weird bar. Where Steve has had four tankards waiting for Shorty to show up. And these are big fucking glasses, Yeah, they're man. like the, the heavy, huge mug. It's either grape juice or Jaeger. He's like, I've had four tankards. Four tankards, Shorty. Look, be careful. Don't slow on that. It's Velovian brew. It's very powerful. I know. They have a, like a fake Admiral Akbar. It literally looks yeah, like... Yeah. This movie yeah. bought the Admiral Akbar suit and then just like spray painted it a different color. And then they also have like like a hologram jukebox. That's what it is. And um, we see a music performance of the worst song ever recorded. Uh, whatever. Play a second of it. I, it is it's so bad but this is where weasel takes them to rogor who again has such a ridiculous character design but at the same time it's awesome it's perfect because he just looks so it's dumb and minimalistic yeah like exactly it's dumb and minimalistic and unique and it like it should you don't have to stick a bunch of junk to his face no you know you just kind of put a light coat of silver on the guy and and then he was silver in deep space give nine. him a he kind of has like Billy D. Williams hair a little oh bit. Oh my god, can you imagine Billy D. Williams as Rogor? Well, at least I can still say to her, how about a nice, cool, smooth Colt 45? Same with Weasel's character design. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's minimalistic, but it's effective. Like it's good. Perfect name because he looks like a rat. Yeah, he just looks like a weasel. So, um, but then that's a great scene where Steve tells Rogor get the money, which is what you explained. So Yeah. And I'll talk about the money and the ticket arrangement when it comes to logic. My next one, say what you want, Kevin. It's the I Love the Barbarians performance when they're in the bar. Oh. Not in yeah, the bar before, no. but when they're all sitting, they're yes. all formally dressed. Yeah. And Quinn's looking great. Jade comes in with Rogor, which at this point, Steve has fucking blinders yeah. on. Like everybody sees her. She comes with Rogor. Yes. It's clear that that's Rogor's girl. Well, Steve meets her at the uh, at the restaurant, at the underground. Oh, yeah. Gambling. Yeah. And she wins. And then she goes, hey, it's bad luck to go twice in a row or whatever. So she has him throw the, I assume, dice. We have a logic issue about that. But then um, he throws the thing and then she wins. And she's like, you're my good luck charm or whatever. Where I come from, it's bad luck to play the same game of chess twice. Will you roll for me? Winner! Well, you're my lucky charm. And he's like, blah, blah, blah. He like can't even talk. He brings up that good luck charm yeah. thing yeah. so and, many and times. And then Shorty's like, you got to come on. And he's like, can't you see I'm talking to this lady? Yeah. So they've already met. Mm-hmm. And then exactly. She does a, uh, <laughs> that, that song. It's like, it, uh, it's like a trendy bar. It's kind of upscale, almost like an upscale restaurant type bar restaurant type thing. And then she starts singing a song. I'm like, this is not the song. It, we're in 4038. Yeah. And here's the thing. Some of the music, the background music in this fucking 
fucking great. Yeah. I love it. Then fucking Jade, whatever her name is, sings. You're like, what the fuck is happening, yeah. man? It's almost like Eddie Arcadian having his girl yeah. to be a woman who can sing and she can't. Yeah, that's kind of what the angle they should have taken. Yeah. But but then Horn is there. And of course, He's you know, people are trying to get autographs and he has to remind them that Horn is champion. I have the tubes. Welcome to my world. What is this place? The tubes. So Steve gets evicted when he gets fired. So they get fired from the, the fast food joint and like everything is like uploaded in real time. Yeah. So he like lives in the space station. And by the time he gets back to his apartment, the guy's <laughs> like, you're out, you're out. And he's like, what's wrong? I said invalid entry. Excuse me. Gee, it doesn't seem to be working. Your crib has been folded for what folded for what you lost your job and we never got the rest of your deposit so yeah, wait a minute sorry <laughs> where in the hell am i supposed to sleep now huh you don't even have an, like five minutes to get another job. Like they're just like, nope, you're evicted. You're you lost your job. So apparently there's no leniency. When he needs a place to stay, Shorty takes him through some sort of like access shaft to the tubes, which is like, it's like the underground layer in Demolition Man. Minus yeah, it the is. Rat Burger. Uh, but they meet the last human arena champion, Marcus Diablo, who's God. now homeless. Which, what the fuck, man? Yeah. I mean, did he just piss his money away in sports betting? I, I get I, something. It's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because why, why is he homeless? I mean, I don't know. So my last one is during the big battle with Horn in the championship match. Shorty being one of maybe two or three people that realized, hey, maybe we should look up. There's somebody on the fucking platform screwing with shit. Shorty goes up to the handicap platform and starts beating his shit out of Weasel. Hey, what are you doing, space rat? Nobody acknowledges this no. happening at all. There's sparks and shit fucking flying. Nobody knows that he beats this shit out of Weasel, throws him off the top of the platform, plummets to his death. <laughs> Fight continues. In the bleachers. In the bleachers. He lands in the bleachers like next to someone. Four people make acknowledgement of a guy just died in front of him. Nobody else does. Yeah, You're not going to notice this fucking guy falling. Blood coming out of his mouth and stuff. It's just like, it, it, but there's a fight going on. God, so. But some of those one timers by Shorty up there were fantastic. Yeah. So I have essentially a version of the same scene. It's fucking Skull's head exploding. Because Weasel and Skull are working some sort of in tandem. So yeah. according to Rogor, no one's ever been able to access the hand, the fight handicappers. The computer, yeah. The computer. So Weasel seems to access it pretty easily. He gets up there, he shoots it, and then he starts pulling wires. That's all you have to do. And then he tells Skull, I'll tell you when it's time. He like uploads well, it into his yeah, head. Skull, like they never explain it, but Skull like uploads it into his head. But then when Shorty gets up there, Shorty just starts like ripping shit out yep. of the, the paper 
panel or whatever starts ripping the cords out and stuff. And when that happens, it like overloads skull and his fucking head blows up. Yeah. It's awesome. It's pretty sweet. No pool in this one. No, not on a space station. That's a shame. Unless it's probably in Rogor's office when the back wall opens, he goes down the stairs. Maybe there's a pool in there. Uh, yeah. I, I, if anyone has a pool, it's, it's Rogor. Rogor. So, well, let's, let's get out of that pool. Hey, Rogor. Hey, hey, Rogor. Hey, can I go to your pool, Mr. Rogor? All right, we're going to do a pretty wide open, loose and conversational pool check. Best fight scenes. God, I have a, I wrote a now, lot I down. I tended to focus, since this is like an MMA boxing type of movie, I tended to focus on that sort of thing rather than, because like you could go full blown like yeah. action movies. I mean, fight scenes literally refers to like anything. So pretty wide open. You went first on scenes, so I'll go ahead and go first. And my fifth best, Louis Stevens versus Silverio in a only the straw. Oh yes. Bonaway. It's at a chop shop. It's lit by a bonfire and like torches. A capoeira teacher fights a drug alert named Silverio in a capoeira fight. Mr. Stevens finishes the fight with, I don't even know what it's called, but it's like a 540 kick. Yeah. It's like a rolling, like it might be called a dragon kick, but it's like a, like some a wrestlers full, use that today. Yeah. Full barrel. It's kind of like Kofi Kingston's trouble in Paris. Paradise. It's like a full barrel roll, like type of thing into a kick. But this movie, I mean, I think it literally was. I'd like to cover this movie someday. But I think this movie literally was like a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. Mark Dacascos looking like Van Damme. Mark Dacascos, right. And I'm pretty sure it's made by the same director who made a lot of these JCVD movies. I don't know why JCVD is not in this one. Probably because he couldn't play a character named Louis Stevens. <laughs> but, uh, but it can be Frank Dukes. But instead, awesome. Really cool. I like that one a lot. Speaking of Frank Dukes, my number five, Bloodsport, his final fight with Chong Lee. It's my number three. God damn. I mean, from the salt throw to the slow-mo. And then he just fucking, in the middle of a fight, if you guys have never seen this, in the middle of a fight, he has a flashback montage scene with just enough time where he notices Chong Lee's fucking foot coming in and stops it and proceeds to kick his ass blind. So this movie is insane because it's based on the fabricated Kumite. Yeah. Story of Frank Dukes, who one of the most dangerous fighters. Hey, you're Frank Dukes, right? No, Dukes. So it's, it's like a fabricated story based on a real guy, Frank Dukes. It's a tournament. It's like this underground Kumite tournament. Like Mortal Kombat. Yeah, basically. For the final fight, though, they roll, the ring is rolled up like a half pipe. Yeah. None of the other fights, all the other fights take place on a flat surface. For the final fight, they fight in like a half pipe. Yeah, you're propped up. And then, like Jim said, Chong Lee throws salt in Frank's face. There's so many famous gifts from uh. that one fight. I'm going cross-eyed. Yeah, so that's my number three. So my number four, Kickboxer. Oh, yeah, Tong Po. Kurt Sloan versus Tong Po. They dip their hands in glass. And, like, they put, like, they have wraps, which are, like, is it glue? It's like a glue. And then they dip it into glass. Oh, it's so good. And then Kurt basically has to throw most of this fight because his brother Eric has been kidnapped by, like, the guy who arranges the fight. That's what the plot of all of these movies are. It's always a kidnapping. It's like, so his brother, who lost to Tong Po and is now in a wheelchair because of Tong Po, is kidnapped by the the fight promoter. Motor. Kurt's like throwing the fight. He's got to like keep it close, but like throw the fight. But then 
his trainer, I don't remember who the guy is, frees Eric. And once Kurt knows that Eric's been freed, game on. He kicks the fuck out of Tong Po. He like pummels him. He kicks him out of the ring. I love it so much. I did have it behind Bloodsport, but growing up, I watched Kickboxer constantly. Oh, yeah. And not Bloodsport as much. Like Bloodsport for me was like appreciated a lot more later on. I loved Kickboxer. What's great about Kickboxer, the Donza Kaduro, the drunk dancing yes. was created in that movie and then later became the greatest song of all time in Fast Five. There's also the montage with him training where they're ties legs to ropes and yeah. like make them do the splits. Yeah, which so. is fucking grotesque. So my number four, I'm getting the big ones out of the way, Kevin, because I got some good ones coming up. It's the final scene. It's Johnny Lawrence, Daniel LaRusso, all it's Valley Karate Championships. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. The mixture of Daniel has already been, you know, been hurt. It's knee. Miyagi does the clap, brings his knee back, and it's just the build of the music. And Johnny's Cobra Kai's kicking the fucking shit out of him. <laughs> but good always triumphs over evil. And then you know fighters take your place daniel gets in that crane the music builds yeah fucking as soon as ref says fight he crane kicks him and beats him fucking johnny you're, you're all right, right larusso you're all right larusso thanks man and it's just that scene of mr miyagi just proud and that's it yep that great music scene. when it builds the crescendo really great my three was blood sport so go ahead and give us your number three so my number three and we covered this movie as a christmas special lethal weapon mel gibson versus mr joshua in murtaugh's oh, yeah. front yard there you go rain's pouring down muddy cops are surrounding it almost like a ufc event you got a helicopter in the air and it looks like mr joshua is going to finish off Riggs by burying his face in the mud in his yard Riggs somehow flips this switch and breaks his fucking neck what an awesome fight gary Busey. i don't think gets enough credit for his roles mr josh no so good gary Busey. i mean more known as just like a crazy dude he's nuts but like he should get a ton of credit for mr joshua it's God. awesome my number two is the bride versus the crazy 88s and kill bill volume one which is literally one woman versus an entire establishment full yeah. of like gangster dudes and she's throwing them through tables and they're doing all these wild stunts and like it's not quite realistic but it's also realistic and there's just like shit breaking and, and stuff but then she finally like beats all the the crazy 88s a bunch of them are who are like young run off so then it's just her one-on-one -on -one with gogo yubari and gogo yubari is like a japanese schoolgirl who has like the mace tie on it's like on a chain and she throws it and she does all these stunts like around her head and under her legs and stuff fucking awesome fight and then spoiler the bride just fucking stabs her in the head with a table leg yeah. there's a table leg with a nail sticking out of it and gogo's just beating the fuck out of her she just like grabs the table leg Ping. sticks it in her head game over awesome scene though that that scene's they actually switched that scene from color to black and white because the sensors for most releases were like there's too much blood it's spraying everywhere it's, it's like, like when the wwe there's blood to match yeah. you go to black and white well, i used to love watching like uh the saturday morning shows yeah like i don't know if it's wwe confidential whatever one it was in the saturday morning shows you'd see like austin in the blood from the stone match with brett and he'd be covered in blood but they'd go to black and white and it's like hmm, what is that chocolate syrup yeah, on we're his not head. stupid is that sweat what is that some assholes out there are just so offended by the dumbest things like come on so my number two 
And this is where I had a hell of a debate, a huge one, like which one do I pick? So I'm going with the main one, Sylvester Stallone, Apollo Creed, yeah. Rocky II, when he wins the World Heavyweight yes. Championship. The rematch with Creed or acceptable Rocky IV with Drago. See, that's where I went back and forth for. I mean, there was never really meant to be, I don't believe there was supposed to be a Rocky II. It was kind of just, hey, this guy from Philadelphia, he went toe-to-toe with the world champion, ended in a draw. They both come out on top. In this one, you know, Creed is just like, no, I got punked. I got to get vindicated. I got to show this bum from Philly what it's all about. Coming down to the 15th and final round, simultaneous knockdown, Stallone gets up, and Balboa becomes the most amazing film underdog world heavyweight champion ever. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it's really great. I mean, really, any other than five, any of the Rocky like fights are. Touch me and I'll see. Number one. My number one, one of my favorite movies ever. Best of the best. Team USA versus Korea. Oh, yeah. There's a whole, like, this whole movie just, like, is all my, like, favorite things in movies. So we get the introduction of each of the U.S. fighters and why they were selected. So they go and find these guys. Awesome. Once they finally find these guys, they show them a bunch of videos of the Korean team. So you have Alexander Grady on the U.S. team who... Such a great name. He had to retire because of his sh- he had his shoulder. Yep. So he retired because of his shoulder. Tommy, who... Tommy's brother was killed by one of the Korean fighters named Dae Han. So Tommy, the whole movie, he yep. is afraid to fight Dae Han. Not because he's afraid of Dae Han, because he thinks he's going to fucking kill yeah. Dae So the movie, it's like a point system. Ahmad Rashad is like calling the fight. So which odd. Is weird. Random. So one of the fights, like it comes down to a tie and they have to break bricks as a tiebreaker. But basically they finally get to the end. It's Tommy versus Dehan, of course. And Tommy is losing. And if he takes Dehan down, Team USA wins. But if he hits Dehan again, he'll probably die because he, yeah. like Tommy, Beats him within like an inch of his life. So Tommy doesn't do it. It doesn't hurt that James Earl Jones is going, no, Tommy, no. (laughs) He's like, yeah, it's echoing. And so Tommy doesn't kick Daewoo. Team USA loses. After the fight, Team USA is standing there crying because they lost. The Koreans all come over and you find out that along the way, everything that Team USA, like they watched all the video, they learned everything there was to know. And all the Koreans come over and say, I know everything there is to know about you and they all give their medals to the United States team. Awesome. It's, it's a such great a great movie. payoff at the end. And then the second movie has Wayne Newton and machine guns, which is perfect and underground fighting and like the craziest it, Michael Dudikoff. How, how did they go from the first movie to the same? It is the, the craziest stretch. Well, it's like there's ever. been like five kickboxing yeah. movies, six blood sports. Yeah. There's like four best of the best movies. Yeah, it's it's and most of them has Sasha Mitchell. He's just an all oh, of them. God. That's right. Sasha Mitchell. I totally thought you were going to take uh, Barry Wary and Randy Cellini. No. Number one. So finally, we get to my number one. And this is where I went back and forth, like a couple movies. Then one popped in my head. I'm like, oh my God, it's got to be my number one. It's They Live. Yeah. Roddy Piper. Nada. Fucking Nada. Keith David. Yep. Frank. Frank. In the alley. They rehearsed this fight for three weeks and Piper told Keith David, make it look real. It was supposed to be 20 seconds. It went for like 25 and a half minutes. It's fucking incredible. It was supposed to be 20 seconds, but it's like Keith David and Piper took it upon themselves to choreograph this fight and they just kept kept going. Shit. And John Carpenter was like, we're going to keep it. It's It's amazing. Five and a half. They're fighting over sunglasses. 
over fucking to put on I mean, the goddamn sunglasses. I mean, there is context. They're special yes. sunglasses, but still, they're they're fighting for five and a half minutes over putting on a the pair of sunglasses. The fact that you will have no problem getting the shit and possibly die for just not putting on a fucking pair of Ray Bans, <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah. Just put them on. Yeah. Great sure. fight, man. So one honorable mention that we that wasn't on either of our lists is there's a movie called Eastern Promises with Viggo Mortensen. I've heard of it. And there is a naked shower knife fight. Oh, okay. and Vigo gets like stabbed multiple times while he's naked. It's it's like so they're at like a bathhouse, like a sauna, and this guy basically sets him up because these Chechen gangsters don't know what he looks like, so they actually think he's like someone else. Yeah, but they're all naked in this bathhouse and they start fighting an amazing like choreographed fight scene and there's it's just it's nuts it's an awesome fight scene and in the context of the movie it's like it's kind of funny that they're all naked but it's like you don't really notice because it's just yeah they're just kicking the shit out yeah they're kicking the shit out of each other it's crazy so all right well i think the fight's over and rogor has invited us back up is it okay mr rogor can we come back up and play arena i am champion Champion! Critical question should have been, would Horn get electrocuted in a pool? Yes. This, this movie posits a reality where in 2,000 years from now, we are still fighting for sport. If we can inhabit life on Earth for another, another 2,000 years with CTE and brain damage, etc., how long do you think we will or would continue to fight for sport? So boxing, MMA, slap fights, whatever. Do you, do you see this stuff ever getting banned? Fucking slap fight. That stupid shit is so dumb. No, at this rate, we're just going to end up fighting each other on virtual Fortnite and go with that. Or at this rate, we're going to be playing fucking checkers for the battle of the world. I see. I don't think we will ever ban fighting. Spread in circuses, man. Because the risks are are known now. Yeah. We know the risks of brain damage and, and all of these things and quality of life goes down. And yet people are still, it's not like, oh, the only one, we only have like some yeah. fighters left and once they're done, they're done. No, there are people still willingly sign up to be boxers, to fight MMA, to be, you know, professional wrestlers, Olympic wrestlers. Well, did you, you saw the video, that slap fight thing, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the, K, the KFC guy from Barstool did yeah. the 30 second thing. That dude's fucking face was absolutely destroyed. Yeah. Won $5,000. Yeah, yeah. You're going to do all that shit for your face for five grand. Yeah. No. Fuck off. It's sort of like our last critical question, which had to do with smoking. People know the risks. Yeah. They ignore the warnings and they just do it anyway. So like we can be explicit. Like they could put a, a you know, warning at the top of every fight. That's like fighting causes brain damage. Yeah. CT is linked with self-harm, suicide, like a number of, of mental it's health issues. And yet people are still going to do it. It's macho superiority reigns over everything. Yep. Yep. And it's like, they, you know, you're a pussy wearing a helmet, you know, like yeah. stuff like that. Like fucking spinner. What are you, man? <laughs> yeah. Bitch wearing a helmet. All right. So someone, I might be all right in the arena. He'd fucking be the human champion forever. I, he, I think could probably be horn would be David McCall. Hey, I'm David McCall. I'm champion of arena. Guess what? Mr. Rogor. I'm a fucking killer. You know, it could have been different. Mr. Walker. 
You should have allowed nature to take its course. God damn it. This may be the biggest logic issue we've had in 11 seasons of this show. I can't wait. For, I'm excited for this. So there are a few different posters of for this movie. There's, yeah. there's one that looks like a fight card. There's the one. I don't know if you have it down here. The cover. It's right behind you. Yeah. The man versus the monster. Man versus monster. Okay. So I'm going to show you this. Okay. Here we go. Kevin's bring. It's my laser disc copy of Arena. On the posters and the covers, it says, for a thousand years, no human has been the champion for a thousand years he wants to be the first in 50 years we very like we meet multiple times the champion who was the champion 50 years ago the announcers say it's been 50 years since the last human they champion. say it three four five times yeah we meet the human champion marcus diablo according to the cover and the poster there's never been a human champion since 3038 there for a thousand years no human has ever been the champion i have never noticed that he before. wants to be the first Jeez. how did they fuck that up i've god how's that such an oversight truly what the fuck like where how did they mess up yeah did did they make the movie and then the person that made the poster never watched the movie. I don't get it. Did they make the poster first and the director decided it was dumb? It literally lies. Yeah. <laughs> I've never noticed that. The cover says, and well, maybe we should post this for yes. a thousand years. I think you have posted this picture for a yes. thousand years. No one is, no human has been the champion. Yes, they have. Yes. Marcus Diablo. Yeah. 50, 50 years, years ago, ago in 39. What? Yeah. 92, 39, 92. Marcus yeah. Diablo was the human champion of arena, but yet the, the poster lies to you. Here's what I, and I'm going to piggyback off that. How long are we to assume this arena fighting has been going on? Plus, has it only been going on on this space station? I don't know. They don't talk about it on other planets. We don't know where we're at. Are we, these the last no, survivors in the universe? It's not like the space station, you know, orbiting Klux Chug 5. You, you don't know. No. But there's no historical reference other than 50 years ago, Marcus Diablo was the first human champion. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. Well, the was, last human champion. The last there may have been champion. some before him, too. Yeah, we don't know. But according to this, it. He want, Steve wants to be the first. It's so frustrating. Uh, so another big one in this movie. They say, so when we see Horn fight Spinner, yeah. terrible fight, horrible. He should have fucking ripped Spinner's head off. Yeah. They say Horn is a six-time champion. So that means he's lost the championship five times? Unless this is like a Ric Flair thing? Yeah. That's not very impressive when Steve beats him if he's lost five times before. It's pretty pathetic. He's, uh, and, and Horn in general, let's talk about Horn. He's a useless. So I have like Mandala effect because like I grew up remembering Horn being like big and intimidating and he's scary. The, says on the fucking poster, you're the monster. Yeah. And he is literally small smaller than Steve. Yeah. And he is a, I, what is he? He's like a cybernetic bowl thing. That's juiced on steroids. He's like a, I, I think he looks like a cybernetic raisin. Kind of, <laughs> he looks like a raisin sort yeah. of, but uh, was he just like a normal, like goat, bull dude and then he got the cyborg upgrade or was he like born half cyborg we've we've said it a bunch of this podcast but truly how many times does he say his own name because at one point in the fight with steve he starts going like horn horn to try horn. to get the fucking crowd yeah. to chant nobody is no no one is it's got to be like 50 times that he goes horn is champion and that's the only thing you can make out because when they're in that bar oh, scene, you, you can no barely idea. understand them. Yeah, I think it's mostly him saying Horn is champion. I am Horn. I am champion. 
Horn. And we're supposed to be intimidated by fucking Horn, like you said. But when Steve fights his first fight against Sloth, yeah, who is I don't know what the fuck he is. This is what I don't get. Were there ever weight divisions in arena? Well, that's what the handicapper I think is about. And the handicapper makes no sense because when he's fighting Sloth, they said, Steve, don't worry about it. You have no handicap. You're fighting in well, full strength. How, how do you? Why does he have a light then? How do you calculate the handicap? Yeah, because they said during the horn fight that horn is handicapped by like two zeros yeah. or something well, like that. Because like sloth, he probably weighs, I don't know what, 3000 pounds. Yeah. And like, it's like whole, eight feet tall. Yeah, the whole rules of the fight are like, you have to knock your opponent out. It's like sumo wrestling. Kind yeah. Of. You have to like, you can just sit there and kick the shit out of your opponent, but it doesn't score or anything. Cause you actually have to physically push them past the line. There's like a green barrier. Yeah. And you have to push them through the line to score. And the first person to push the other person over the line three times or wins. knock them out or knock them out. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Cause then there's a countdown. Yeah. But like, I just, how do they calculate the handicap? Like, it doesn't make sense. It's like, it's like sports books. It's well, definitely Rogor is the Tim Donnie yeah, of this right. whole situation. But I also love when he fights Sloth. When he's pushing him out, it clearly sounds like Sloth's on fucking wheels. Yeah. As he's pushing him out. There's a, in the last scene when um, Steve fights Horn, Horn picks Steve up over his head, which he could have thrown him out of the ring, but instead he yeah. just throws him down on the ground. If you pause, Steve is connected to like a tether. Oh, it makes sense. You yeah. can clearly see like a, a, he's hooked to a wire. Yeah. It's crazy. So speaking of, of the fight between Horn and Spinner, the arena crowds have no idea how to react. No, they're horrible. Like they boo the entire fight, but they, are they mad that Spinner sucks? I do love the static shots of the crowd because I feel like they just grab screenshots. Yeah, yeah. Are they like are they tired of Horn as champion? Are they just mad that Spinner sucks because they like boo the whole time? Then Horn throws Spinner in the crowd. He goes into the crowd after him, and that I think the crowd finally starts to cheer. Well, even Quinn says, "Where's the commissioner? Yeah. Where the hell's commissioner?" Don't get me started with this fucking guy because he's useless. He's breaking up illegal gambling rings. He oversees the arena, kind of. Uh, no idea. But I do like the one guy in the crowd. The one guy that stuck out. There's this one guy yeah, who just I know exactly who you're talking fucking about. Fucking arms. He's like real he's, happy to be there. He's happy to be there. I it love reminds it. Reminds me of uh, some indie wrestling fans. Um, Shorty has like this huge apartment or space that he lives in, but everyone else in the tubes is like they live out homeless. The, yeah. So like I would assume no one in the tubes is paying rent, right? Oh no, they're they're vagrant. So they they have to and I deduce that because they all have to sneak down there. So how? How isn't Shorty's place overran with other unhoused people in the tubes? Like, why do they let him have that apartment to himself? Well, Shorty keeps implying, I know somebody up top. And this is another thing I don't get to. When they go down the corridor yeah. to go into the tubes, it's literally like slide panels and Shorty's yeah. trying to be all coy. That place is fucking camera uh, surveilled to the tilts. Then there's this long ladder that goes down yeah. into the tubes. Nice basement. <laughs> you want it? Yeah. It's dark in here, Shorty. Oh, sorry about that. Missing rungs. You mean there are more? Yeah, well, the maintenance crews don't get in here much. You first, come on. I'm coming in. We're up. Want to kill Smiley Monster? Shorty, do me a favor, would you? Anything, kid. I owe you, remember? Let's consider this your way of repaying me. I'm not going to let you get away with letting me off that easy. That's what I was afraid of. 
Somehow Steve, being 6'4", yeah. 6'5", misses a rung. Shorty said, oh, there's a missing rung. Shorty, who's at least an inch and a half shorter, no issues. Yeah. Going down this ladder with a fucking broken yeah. rung. Well, it's weird, too, because Steve says, no, you first. So Shorty, instead of Steve climbing back up and then Shorty going, Shorty goes, like, in Are, between Steve. Weird. It is real weird. Which I'm glad the guy who is behind Shorty with two additional <laughs> arms, hopefully he doesn't fart. <laughs> He's fucking dead. I just don't understand how Shorty has an apartment because like, okay, he knows people. Maybe they gave him this yeah. apartment, but then why aren't everyone else in the tubes trying to like, cause I, I don't know. It's weird that he has his own place. It's not adding up. Cause Steve even brings it up. Cause Shorty's making a maze. Yeah. How can you afford eggs? Oh, I know somebody. What is Shorty doing to get this money? It's something with four hands. I mean, he, yeah, I would say so. So I have another one too. Since there hasn't been a human champion, Marcus Diablo 50 years ago. Why has or a thousand or a thousand or there's who, never been a who the hell knows Steve's not even really human. Neither is Marcus Diablo. If you looked at Marcus Diablo, he does not look like what you think a Marcus Diablo would he look like. World's first cigarette champion. Exactly. Why didn't Quinn's human bodyguards ever fight in the arena? Because they yeah, seem to handle right. their shit. No, when they like kind of kick the shit out of Steve. Yeah, especially uh, the one guy with the curly red hair. Yeah. Why not put him in the fucking arena? Yeah, because like the, if you're handicapped, Steve kicks the shit out of Vang. Yeah. And then so she needs Steve to fight because she needs a replacement for Vang, who's yeah. in the semifinals of the tournament so her bodyguards go after steve in shorty's place in the tubes for retribution yeah and kick the shit out why of doesn't she like be like you're fighting you're yeah. fighting for vang i mean yeah. like sorry so steve tells them in, in right around that scene that he's trained for arena fighting his entire life but now that he's seen it it stinks yeah so he's based his life goal around something he's never seen, which is weird because he's a fast food cook and then they get fired. And then Shorty's like, Hey, you're pretty good. And he's like, I've trained my whole life. I fought on the human circuit. I've done all this stuff. I'm a fighter. Yeah. But yet he's like, now that I've seen arena fighting, it stinks. I don't understand any of that. Here's what I don't get. If there is an active human circuit, nobody else could have showed up the fight. Well, right. What right. the hell? Yeah. And like, how did he get there? Yeah. At what point did he go there? How does he even know about arena fighting? Because like, he's like, I trained for arena. How did you know about it? If you've never watched satellite, it, is it just like word of mouth? Why does technology get worse? 2000 years into the future? It's pretty bad. It's real bad. Here's one big thing. And it drove me up a wall when Jade and Steve consummate their love for one another. Yeah. Would you not ask Steve, even though you just had amazing sex, it's probably great sex. Hopefully she didn't sing during it. <laughs> She pours herself a drink and gives one to Steve. Steve chugs it. Would you not ask Steve ask, why didn't you have a drink? She just holds it and then sits it down full. Well, I've watched Major League last night. Oh, yeah. Uh, he gets a beer, Jake, in the apartment. And then uh, as he's leaving, he says, well, thanks for the beer. You didn't take a drink. No, you didn't. You had no. the guy pour you, open a beer and pour it for you. And then you didn't drink it. Yeah. I'd be pissed. You're wasting my beer. Oh, Jesus. So the futuristic casino games that we don't actually see how they work. Yeah. You just see them roll some big silver ball and you don't see where the ball goes. And then the weird cards. Yeah. You don't see what it has to do. They just, again, they just roll this big silver ball. It's like somebody was supposed to be in charge of coming up with how the games worked. And then it's like, they were like, I ran out of time. Well, also, if you're having an illegal gambling operation, granted legal, legal, whatever, you're not going to allow a guy to stand behind the person playing and give active advice yeah. to what he or she yes. should or should not do. Right. 
If I'm that guy rigging a game, like, get the fuck out of here, man. One question I had for you is, so at the end of the movie, so Steve fucks Jade. Yep. 4038 sex. Yeah, they have sex. And then she poisons him. He gets revived. You know, the antidote. Even though they said if he didn't, it was terminal. Trimetazine 25. He's loaded with it. 50 cc's of crystal plex immediately. Vital signs critical. Approaching terminal. How serious is it? Another two hours, he'd have been dead. Yeah. He's going to fucking die. 15 minutes later, we're fighting. Yeah, he's going to fight. Doctor does the whole, I'm only a doctor. What do I care? You know? <laughs> yeah, I love that. But um, so Rogor is basically like, did you, did you fuck him? Did you poison him? And she's like, yeah, job done. And he's like, do you have, you don't have feelings for him. Do I you? love that. What happened? <laughs> Horn won't have to work up much of a sweat tonight. You're not falling for him, are you? Armstrong? No. And she's like, no, of course not. So then Rogor's like getting off on, on Steve about to get killed. Yeah. He like loves it. He's going to, you know, Steve's going to get killed. And she's obviously very affected by it. Yeah. And even though she's all decked out in her silver, so she can coordinate with Rogor. Over the top eyeshadow. Yeah, she dumps him. Yeah. She says like, when it's over, it's over. And it's over. Or <laughs> she says something like that. Something dumb. And so she, I wish she would have like kicked Rogor in the balls or something. I don't know. Would have made she, a better statement. She just like walks away from Rogor and she goes like Steve Steve like he's in the in the ring he just won the championship fight tons of people around as if he's just supposed to forget that she poisoned him yeah you know like so she's walking towards him and then Quinn knocks her out knocks her the fuck out yeah Quinn just knocks her out and then they walk away do we think Steve and Quinn get together that's what it seems like because they never hug they never kiss no it was a very just her fighter yeah but she that punch seem to come from a place not just a poison but like kind of from a place of jealousy because there's other scenes where st- when Steve sees you know Steve sees her sees Jade when he's, he's fighting that crab yeah, anteater yeah, thing yes. like obviously has a thing for her yeah and Quinn's kind of like, how do you know her? You know, like, it seems like there might be a little oh, jealousy. Yeah. So I, I don't know if they end up together or not. It would make it awkward if they got together because he's her fighter. And then it would have been something if Jade would have came down and said, Steve, I'm sorry. Rogor put me up at least some yeah. dialogue. Yes. Because you're pissed that she poisoned him, but she did the right thing for dumping Rogor. Yeah. But she got no vindication except knock the hell out. But where's she go now? Nowhere. She's obviously a singer there. Do they just Marcus Dion? There you go. Does she, uh, do they ever run into each other? Like, oh, hey, Jade, how's it going? Like, well, since the whole thing with Steve becoming champion, Rogor loses control of everything. So I'm assuming she's never going to sing again because the only reason she was singing. That's true. Because like, she's Rogor's yeah, like girl. The Eddie Arcadian thing. Yes. So. Okay. What's the legacy of this movie? I'm convinced that you and I may be keeping the legacy of this movie alive. I think so. By it had two streams on Tubi, but it is streaming on Tubi for free. So I, I hopefully someone will find this movie. Guys, you need to watch and it. And get some enjoyment out of it and see the uh, cybernetic raisin that is Horn. And he is what, Kevin? Horn is champion! He is champion. That's right. In case you forgot. He's no longer the champion. Not he, anymore. It's Steve Armstrong. Unless he wins it back and then he becomes the seven-time champion. Yes, he's the Ric Flair of arena. Yeah.
Where are they getting all these arena fighters? I'm assuming from other space stations. So if there's other fucking circuits, I'm shocked there wasn't an arena too. May arena too. Steve goes and like brings some of Earth's best fighters. Steve is now Marcus Diablo, and he recruits fighters. Yeah, he recruits. Rec- He's Quinn. He now. gets to go back to Earth. So you're gonna bring up the ticket? Yes. Is there not a use by date on this ticket? Like it's just an open ended. It's an open ended ticket to Earth. It costs thirteen thousand. Which is really funny because like you know Shorty buys Steve the ticket and yeah. it's a one way ticket to Earth and it was very expensive. And when Shorty doesn't have the money that he stole from the you know the the gambling, uh, Rogor's like, well, where's the you know eighteen thousand dollars? And he gives him the ticket and he's like, well, this is only thirteen thousand. Not refundable. Yeah, it, he can't do anything with it. So, so why does he keep it? That's what I don't get. Does Rogor want to go to Earth? Probably. Yeah. Here's another thing too. And we know the background of Mongusian. The Mongusian? No. What what's his last whatever. <laughs> Mongolian. Whatever. Manugian. Manugian, the Nugs. So there is some tie-in with Jade and the guy that played Skull and Freddy's Nightmares and the Googs doing horror type stuff. Is the money called Kruger's as a nod to Freddy Krueger? I didn't even think about that. Just I just randomly had a thought. Kruger. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. All right, stick around for some plugs. Pool sceners, once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the show. And don't forget, as always, like, comment, subscribe, rate, and follow Apple, Spotify, and Podbean. You leave us a five-star review and we read it on the air, we'll send you out a bit of a prize. Also, don't forget, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. You guys are unsure how to get there? We have a one-stop shop now, and it's called Linktree, L-I-N-K-T. E-R.ee slash pool scene podcast. If you guys would like to contribute to the show in any way, help for future content, maybe even put it towards a cup of coffee for us. There is a link at the top of the link tree that will send you to basically a tip jar. We love you guys and thank you once again. And now back to Kevin. So to end the show this week, um, we just kind of want to have a discussion. Um, the wrestler um, known as Jay Briscoe, real name Jamin Pugh, uh, passed away yesterday, um, January 17th, in a car accident. Yeah. And he was a part of a tag team called the, the Briscoe Brothers or Dem Boys. And I, he was 38 years old and I spent like we went to I, I went to a bunch of of Ring of yeah, Honor he shows. He was um most notably known for Ring of Honor. He pretty much spent his whole career. I there. went to three Ring of Honor shows. Now they actually started wrestling before they were of age. Jay yeah. and, and his brother Mark started wrestling when they were minors. So they had to wear masks to get around yep. like the laws in Pennsylvania. And then they've been wrestling like forever. So like every Ring of Honor show I ever went to, the Briscoes were there. And I remember just being like, these guys are not fair. They're like creator wrestlers. Yeah, they're not. They can do high flying stuff, hardcore stuff, mat wrestling. They literally were so good. And ahead of their time. And ahead of their time. Yeah. And, and arguably, you know, Jay was, they're both great. I'm absolutely not taking anything away from Mark, but. And the fact today is Mark's birthday too. Yeah. And, and Jay ascended to the world championship. He won the ring of honor world championship off of Kevin Steen. Now Jay was a, a complicated individual. Yeah. Um, and he had made some homophobic comments at some point in, in the last handful of years. And unfortunately, even though a lot of people vouched that he was willing to learn and understand why and how those things were so hurtful 
and learn from it and accept it and not be opposed to it, it essentially cost him a shot at more elevated status. Yeah, being on AEW Dynamite yeah, Rampage. Yes, and- because... Um, you know, Ring of Honor has a, a working relationship with AEW. Well, AEW owns Ring of Honor yeah, now. and AEW now owns Ring of Honor. And and I'm sure the Briscoes, just based on talent alone, in imagine them in NXT, like in prime NXT when everybody was there. I just can't imagine some of the matches they would have had with like FDR when they were there yeah. or New Day, the Usos or DIY. House of Black. House of Black. Some of these, yeah. these teams that were there in NXT and they never got out that opportunity opportunity mostly because of their association with those homophobic comics. So AEW, I think would have liked to have brought them in, but Warner brothers and the owner of the Plus network, used the rebel flag. Yeah. He's rebel flag. So they were controversial. So I think, yeah, I think that the, the network just said, we're not going to touch them. So this past year, they had a couple of like the most amazing, like impressive so, wrestling of all so time, of all FDR, time, not, the trio. Yes, yes. Not just like in the last year, but like ever. Yeah. And in wrestling, it's weird because, you know, we're talking about fighting. 38 is not really that old. In wrestling. Not at all. No. I mean, like you, it takes a long time to get to the point where you're that good. Yeah. So why retire? You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you really learn how to work and that's when you kind of hit your prime as your late thirties. So Jay, a former world champion, 38 years old. Um, unfortunately, his you know, two of his three children were in the car, both suffered serious injuries. One was able to to go home. The other underwent back surgery. Um, they're waiting to kind of find out if, if she's going to be paralyzed and able to walk. Yeah. At the time of this recording, we don't know yet. Yes. As of recording uh, January 18th, 18th. We, we don't know. You know, this one hurts. It does. I mean, it, one, this the similar age. I, I never met or I don't remember meeting Jay Briscoe in person. Yeah. I mean, if I did, it was just like such a quick thing in passing. Um, but seeing him in person and, and going to see him in person, yeah. you know, it's like Elvis fans, you know, when Elvis died or yeah. something, it's like, you know, for me, that's this one. That's like yeah. someone that um, I watched and stuff is. I mean, look at all he did for kids in wrestling. I mean, look what he's done for his daughter's school system. Yeah. The school system shut down yeah. and because then, of this. And, and then so the, you know, we always use this term and say like people didn't get their flowers and, and stuff. And it, it sucks that it took for him to die. But like Triple H yeah. from WWE, who has never worked with. Jay Briscoe. Jay Briscoe, you know, posted like how talented of a performer he was. They mentioned it on NXT yeah, commentary yes, last they, night. NXT not associated, you know, actually a rival company yeah. mentioned it and, and everyone, everyone just had amazing things to say about how much he cared about his family. All last, these stories. Last night, one of the things that got me was like, he would do TikToks with his daughter yeah. and, and dancing. Like he would dance TikToks with his daughter and, and stuff. And it's just, it's, it's devastating. It's, it's really sad. It, should they, um, you know, release, and I'm sure they will something a t-shirt or whatever to um help you know give yeah. the proceeds to the family money goes to the family yeah because this is all this is devastating yeah. i mean his wife his daughters and i mean his brother like i said today's yeah. his brother's birthday it's like fuck. Uh, there's a there's been so many of these recently like sarah lee from wwe yeah know, she passed away she was in her 30s yeah and now her husband is uh wesley blake Wes- wesley blake he has i think they have three kids raising three kids on his own a single dad with three kids you know and then and, and not not saying one's better or worse than anything but like sometimes if somebody dies of like a drug overdose yeah or, or they take their own life or whatever it is you know this was just by all accounts despite the controversial stuff he was a, a fantastic person and it was gone and it's i mean every accident. and even the controversial stuff effie who yeah. is a, an out 
pro wrestler yes. wrote a huge long thing saying how much Jay Bresco meant to him. Yeah. He mended his bridges and he saw that Jay did everything possible to yeah. re to you atone, know, yeah. You know, to atone for what he did. But you see like these these dedications like from Champa. I read Champa oh, put a yeah. huge post like Seth Rollins saying, you know, if it wasn't for Jay Briscoe, yeah. I wouldn't be where I am at yeah. today. Kevin Steen, Kevin Owens now, but it's amazing. The Mark Jay Briscoe had on the wrestling community. And like we've said, it's only 38. Yeah. He's been officially wrestling for 20 years. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I, I don't know where, where Mark goes from here because like yeah. Mark may never want to step a foot in a wrestling ring ever. Again. Would you blame him? He may want to, you know, and, and it may, you know, some good could come of it where yeah. maybe, maybe it gets Mark a springboard into something, but it's, I mean, we shouldn't even be discussing that, you no. know, like obviously with it just happened and it's fresh and there's a lot to process, but you know, you just, your heart really goes out to, to Jay's family, Mark's family and yeah. other fans like us who it, it's you, devastating. It is devastating. So I think it's only appropriate that we end the episode with Leonard Skinner. Give me back my bullets. The, the entrance theme of the Briscoes from ring of honor, and we will see you next week. Reach for the sky, boy. 